Hi, I'm Will Roadhouse, and I'm the CEO of Compass Group International, and welcome to another episode of Expat Thailand. I just got back from a little jog this morning, and during my jog, I was kind of pondering, giving a more deep thought, a very interesting article a very good friend of friend of mine sent me. Uh, this article is by Smart Asset, and it's dated April 15th of 2023, so this year. And the title, basically, the headline is, 300K is the new 100K in New York City. Here's how taxes and costs affect U.S. cities. So basically, the new $100,000 salary, what you were, what you at one time thought was a lot of money, that same $100,000 buying power, today you have to make $300,000. So today I want to discuss a few suggestions and retirement strategies that it's that one piece that people are really missing because I feel and which most of you do most Americans most people in general is they overestimate how much money they think they will have when they retire not accounting for market conditions black swan events on the macroeconomic level even microeconomic level and also just unforeseen circumstances that happens to them within their family or their organization. So we're gonna discuss that today. So before I do, I just wanna read a little bit about the article. So it goes to say, those with a $100,000 salary earn more than double the median individual income for 2021, which might imply financial comfort on first glance. But when accounting for taxes and cost of living in America's largest cities, these six figures will feel much smaller. Ultimately, to have the purchasing power of $100,000, you will have to earn a substantially higher salary. With this in mind, smart assets set out to determine the salary it takes to feel like $100,000 across the US. To do so, we analyzed annual salaries in 76 cities and adjusted them for taxes and cost of living to find a new 100K. So here's some of the key findings. I'm just gonna name off kind of like the top five cities that are most expensive right now. And it is kind of quite jaw-dropping. It's quite shocking. So this is ranked basically for most expensive by city and gross income needed. So Honolulu, Hawaii is coming in first as the most expensive at 312,400. So and again, you need 312,400 to buy, to have the same buying power of yesterday's $100,000. That's three times the salary. New York comes in next at 312,000, then at San Francisco at 310,700, then Oakland, California at 245,600, and then LA and Long Beach tied at fifth at 245,300. These should be shocking numbers for you. Because, like I said, not too long ago, $100,000 gross salary seemed like a lot of money. And at one time it was. $100,000 salary. You could still buy a decent home. Uh, you're, you're able to afford a decent mortgage. You can have one or two cars. Uh, and, and, and just some a little extras. Maybe going on vacation once a year but you're not gonna live an extravagant lifestyle. Well now, today, those same individuals that haven't really gotten that salary bump 
that are making under $300,000, I mean, your purchasing power is a hell lot less. So before I kind of get into some strategies, let me give you an analogy of how I feel people planned their retirement. So think about a time when you're young. So right now I'm thinking about when my brother and I were in grade school. Maybe he was in third grade and I was in sixth grade. And every single summer, my parents would take us uh, to visit our relatives in Hawaii and Guam and in Japan and Taiwan. So I remember one time, one summer, we were in Honolulu, Hawaii. And where my grandparents lived, uh, they lived in a really affluent place um, right around Punahou High School. So the beach was only about 15, 20 minute drive to Waikiki. So I remember uh, one morning we're planning to spend a day at the beach. So my parents were packing, you know, the towels and, and uh, sunblock and some drinks and, and also some food. While my brother and I, you know, our goal for going to the beach is we're going to build a big ass freaking sandcastle. I mean, we're going to build it high, we're going to build it wide. So basically, we're just looking around the property for little tools. And, and our grandparents' property is pretty big. So it's big enough where it's a big, huge main home and then a huge pool. Then across the way was a guest house that we stayed in. And uh, the grounds are big, filled with avocado trees and some other plant life. So it's very easy for us to find like the little, the little rakes and, and little shovels. And we found uh, big buckets and small buckets and grabbed some little, little solo cups uh, to make little smaller you know, um, little structures. So we packed that all in, uh, get to Waikiki Beach. Parents pretty much unpacked where my brother immediately jetted off to uh, making our castle. So we were about probably about less than 20 feet from my parents. And here we are. And when you're young and you're at the beach, you have no concept, nor do you have any worries about high tide and low tide. You're just glad to be at the beach. You love the water the weather, playing in the ocean, uh, you know, play, sitting in the sand, just doing all sorts of fun stuff like building a sandcastle. So here's my brother and I, you know, we're hard at work, digging, scooping, you know, building big structures, small structures, building it high. Uh, I think we even built a big giant volcano like, like in the middle and it had little structures on the side, going out into the ocean, along the surf, finding little seashells and little stuff. Uh, to make like, you know, like people or animals or and so forth or soldiers. So here we are hard at work building a sandcastle, just like you. You're hard at work in the beginning of basically putting together your retirement program, your retirement strategies. But lo and behold, in a very short period of time, you know, hours have passed by. And all of a sudden, the tide starts coming in. And it starts coming in faster and faster to a point where my brother and I weren't worried. We're like, oh, we're so far away from the surf. It's not going to ruin our sandcastle. But lo and behold, it does. It gets to the point where it's touching basically the edges of our sandcastle, slowly eroding it away. We're trying to rebuild it and it's eroding away. Then in less than an hour, basically our hard at work sandcastle that we built is basically gone just washed into the ocean. That's the way I feel most of you 
most individuals plan the retirement. You underestimate and you overestimate. You underestimate or you overestimate how much you think you'll have when you're in your 60s. You underestimate the challenges, especially in your living conditions and your lifestyle. Most people underestimate that. When I'm speaking to retirees that are retired, whether they've been newly retired or retired for many years, they all say the same thing. I thought I had enough money. I really have to sacrifice my lifestyle. These are people I'm talking that live in the United States. And so they're suffering. And they felt that, you know, I thought I did the right thing. Just like you all thought you're doing the right thing. My brother and I here, we think we're doing the right thing. Hard at work, spending time building a sandcastle. Just over time, it slowly eroding away. And the same exact thing comes when it, you know, when we're looking at inflation. At one time, it was your goal to make $100,000. Now $100,000, the same equivalent, you have to make $300,000. These are the baby boomers and the Gen Xers. At one time, that was a lot of money. Now we have the, the Gen Z, the millennials and the Gen Z, where maybe their goal is to make $300,000. But by the time you're making $300,000, the same equivalent, the buying power that you have for $300,000, it may, it may be three times more. You may have to make $900,000 or a million dollars to have that same equivalent. So what are some ways that you can basically protect yourself and some ideas that I want to suggest to you to help you prepare for the future? And these are some of the things that we do for our high net worth clients and our state planning side. Because when a potential client is referred to me, they're referred to me primarily, not for estate planning, that's few and far between. They come to me because a friend of mine overheard a conversation from another friend, maybe they're at dinner or maybe they're out hanging out or at a bar, and this friend says, hey, you know what? I'm thinking of buying a home in Costa Rica. They're going to buy a home in Mexico. They're going to buy a home in the Caribbean. And then my friend would say, hey, there's someone I want you to talk to because that's what he specializes in. So when I first get these initial referrals, I'm talking to an individual or individuals or families that are just primarily looking for a second home. But through this conversation in the interview process, because I'm probing to find out more about them. Diving deep and finding out what type of assets they had, what type of lifestyle they have, what type of lifestyle they want in this new destination. So this referral for a second home or this vacation home eventually evolves into a whole estate plan because I'm bringing up ideas bringing up concerns that have never ever crossed their mind. And that first thing is, you can never expect what's going to happen in your future. There are so many individuals, and multimillionaires know this better than anyone else. Because as I say many times, most multimillionaires at one time or another in their lifetime have lost everything. 
And obviously people, they make millions, people making seven figure incomes, they have a different type of strategy. They're not just a fact that they have a great work ethic, they're very intelligent, but they're also willing to take risks. And these risks sometimes pay off and they pay off big and sometimes they don't. That's why I have met so many millionaires that have made millions, lost millions, made millions, lost millions, but they're able to keep doing it. And eventually, hopefully, they're smart enough to keep it on a final turn. But for most people that are mid middle income, so places like San Francisco, even though it says San Francisco, you need basically $300,000 to have the same equivalent of, of $100,000, your basic individual that lives in San Francisco feels that making a half a million dollars, you're considered basically middle income. Same with New York. Some of these places are saying you need to have close, the, the new magic number is actually a million dollars. I remember one billionaire, I forget which one it was, saying that middle income is basically a million dollars. And that number is coming soon, folks. So people really, really underestimate that are in that middle income range of the income that comes in. They're not concerned. They feel that their company is strong. They're always going to have a job, consistent promotions, but not worrying that maybe that company is doing something wrong, mismanagement. I have seen in my banking days, I have seen literally divisions within the bank collapse because of bad upper management. I have seen organizations that are one time billion dollar organizations collapsed, basically losing 90% of its income stream because of mismanagement and bad salespeople. So the mistake that most people have, rich or poor, why actually should I say is middle income and rich, is they feel that this consistent income is gonna keep coming in. And that is the one mistake that you're all making. Anytime there can be a black swan event. Let's say you, you have a great job. You're an EVP, making a half million to a million dollars at Silicon Valley Bank. Well, Silicon Valley Bank went bye-bye. And there are more bank runs in these regional banks that's going to happen. That is not going to stop. Janet Yellen said that, yeah, there may be a couple more. So anytime they always underestimate, so there's a couple more, that means there's going to be a lot more. Well, one report said, I think 180 regional banks have the potential to disappear, to have bank runs. That's just in the financial side. That's not including many analysts, if you keep it on Financial Times, are predicting that the second half of 2023 is going to be rough. If we're not already in recession, we're going into a recession. Things are happening at such a great scale and a macroeconomic level that it is affecting you at the micro level 
And most people are underestimating that. So the next mistake that people make is, so basic life says that when you have a great job or basically your goal is to graduate, to seek out a, a job that you love, hopefully you love, and basically work hard, make your goals, and basically climb up in the ranks. You know, here you are a salesperson, next thing you know it, you're an area sales manager, then you're a regional manager, then you're a president, and so forth. But the problem is, is that most individuals, with every single promotion, they are so effective, affected by society. So by their friends, by their coworkers, and by other family members saying, hey, you're vice president now. So as a vice president, you're making more money. You need to look like a vice president. So you need to buy, you need to upgrade your home. So here's an individual that may have, you know, husband and wife are doing well. One of them gets a promotion. Now all of a sudden they feel because their environment is telling them they need to upgrade. So this half million dollar home that was affordable for them, it was their first home. They were able to save up enough money to put down 20% so they didn't have to have a second. They were able to refi and secure a low 30-year mortgage at like three and a half or three and a quarter percent, you know, just a few years ago. Now, all of a sudden, society is telling them you need to upgrade. And when people upgrade from a half million dollar home, they're not going to a $650 home, $650,000 home, or $750 or $850. They're going to a million, million two, million five. It's that much of an upgrade. It's so ridiculous. So now they're shopping for million dollar homes. They certainly don't have enough money to put down 20%. So they have a first and second mortgage. Interest rates are high now. It's like six and a quarter percent or whatever, but it's high. So their mortgage payment maybe has tripled. And then also society is telling them you need to upgrade your cars. Your Toyotas are not enough. Your Kias are not enough. You need to start driving a Mercedes or a BMW or Audi. So now they're upgrading from a Toyota Prius to a Mercedes E-Class or even an S-Class. Not just buying one, they're buying two. And then so forth. Upgrading accessories and clothing. Just putting yourself in more debt. While the smart thing to do which is something that Asians really, really take pride in, is to put in as much effort as you can to buy out, to pay off the loan for your primary residence. Not to upgrade, but to pay that off. So if you're making more money, put more money into your mortgage and pay it off even faster. But Western society says, oh no, fuck that. That's the wrong thing to do. Instead, you should be in more debt. You should show the world how successful you are. And you should buy a bigger house. That is the second biggest mistakes that all people make. Middle class and up. Big, huge mistake. Taking on more home, taking on more debt. Because they think 
that their company is stable and sound, and they think that they're always going to have this income. Well, what are some big swan events, black swan events? Like I said, is the company could be cooking the books, have an SEC investigation, lock up and seize its funds, or it could be, turns out to be a Ponzi scheme, or um, embezzlement. And then on a micro level, because everybody has a phone camera, everyone has a phone and everyone has a camera on them, could you imagine, and you read about this all the time, you're a great manager and you have this big sales team, you're now the number one sales team in your organization, you just totally crushed your goals, so now you have a big celebration for this Christmas celebration and you do a huge festivity, dinner, and free flow drinks. All of a sudden you get pretty wasted. And now, you've always been a nice guy. You've always been a nice, respectable woman. But now with a few drinks in you, you start doing stupid things. To a point where you do something so inappropriate, it's cut on film, and then now you're fired. No more income. If you think that's not gonna to happen to you, it can. It's just like saying is, well, I don't need to worry. I'm never gonna get hit by a drunk driver. It happens. Oh, I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna worry. I mean, all these shootings and stuff, it happens elsewhere. It happens so frequently now in nice neighborhoods and bad neighborhoods that it's a norm in America. You can never ever say it's not going to happen to you. And that's why I feel so many people underestimate exactly what their financial retirement plan is going to look like. It's much more than sitting down with a financial planner and saying, okay, well, I'm going to max out my 401k, maybe even open a self-directed IRA, max that out. I open a 529 plan for both my kids uh, to pay for college tuition. And then whatever's left over, I'm going to uh, basically... Uh, open a maybe like an online brokerage like an E-Trade account or Schwab account and buy equities. And then maybe on top of that any kind of extra money you have you're gonna buy an investment property. That's great but for most of you today that is a wrong choice. You have to be more conservative because like I said you don't know what's going to happen to you and you don't know how incomes and you don't know where inflation is going to be five to ten years from now. So how do you protect yourself? How do my clients protect themselves? When I give them this eye opener, they, they start thinking. And we, when we hop back on a phone call, whether it's a week from now or a month from now, when I give them time to really stew things over, look at their financial picture, reanalyze their financial picture, look at their lifestyle, they're like, you know what, we do need to put in these precautions. What I feel is what most people, and this is the third biggest mistake that people make, is let's take a, a family in Honolulu, Hawaii. They've lived there most of their life. Maybe they moved there from Las Vegas, met some Hawaiians, got a great job, moved to Hawaii, they lived there for decades. And let's say the combined family income is now about $300,000. 
but Hawaii is one of the most expensive places to live in the United States. So logically, Hawaii is beautiful. Year after year, voted as the happiest state in America. It is a great place. That logically, where they work is also where they're going to retire. Their retirement plan is all laid out. They're hoping that they're going to pay off their home, maybe pay off their second home, which is a, which is a uh, income property. And then they're going to have enough for their 401k, their IRAs, and other investments is all going to go up. Not realizing, like I said, as a black swan event, like a bear market. Could you imagine the individuals, and there are, and there are millions of them, folks, that were just getting ready to retire and thought they saved up an, a huge nest egg, then COVID hit. Couldn't retire. Actually had to go back to work. Portfolios are crushed. Nobody planned for that. So, and again, here's this family. Set to retire in Hawaii. But then when the time comes, you know, when they get to that 55, maybe get to 60 because they're looking to retire by 65, 67, they're realizing, oh shit, it really, really got expensive here. And we've incurred more debt than usual and we still have a house payment. That's the sad reality that most people don't put in place. You have this plan to pay off your house in 15 to 30 years, but along the way, something comes up. Like for an example, anyone watched Apple's latest release of the Vision Pro, the new spatial computer, the new VR headset? Absolutely breathtaking, beautiful design. That is the gateway to the metaverse. What Facebook has been attempting to do with the Meta VR glasses never worked, and I actually own them. I bought the first, uh, I bought two pairs. I bought the basic model, and then after that, I bought the pro model. But when, when I played with it, you know, had my parents played with it, had my wife played with it, there was so, there's just a lot of limitations. Limitations on apps. And yeah, it's nice, you can watch YouTube with a big screen or watch Netflix, but that was pretty much equivalent because it just was basically a larger way to watch entertainment. That was about it. Where now Apple creating this whole new group called Spatial Computing with their VR glasses. And if you read the reviews and you watch reviews, I mean, I just, I just watched a review from, was it Mac Rumors? And the guy was just blown away, the reviewer. He's like, this is incredible. This is the future. Apple always does it right. From how they change the music industry with the iPod, how they change the way we communicate with the iPhone. And then now, and also they changed the way of portable computing with the iPad. And then now with the Vision Pro with spatial computing, they're gonna change the way of how we, we immerse ourselves, not just in entertainment, but also communication and the way we work the way we collaborate. So things change on a rapid basis. And what people don't realize is, is that these changes do affect them. 
So let's sum up a few things before I dive into more. First biggest mistake, people underestimate their retirement, underestimate how much money they're gonna have. Number two biggest mistake, people constantly upgrade and put themselves in more debt with each promotion, each bonus that they make. And the third thing is on the retirement side. So moving along, here's this family wanting to retire in Hawaii, realize that they can't. So what now? They can't live, afford to live in Hawaii, so they have to go back to the mainland. Maybe go back to Las Vegas. But realizing at that time, oh shit, Las Vegas isn't cheap anymore either. And they don't have enough money, so maybe they have to go further, go to the Midwest. Go someplace where they don't want to go. Living in a place by the water that they lived for decades and decades, now they have to make a dramatic change because they don't have enough money. So what I feel is the missing component, what people should be doing at all income brackets before purchasing that piece of income real estate, before upgrading your home, before buying new cars, before buying Apple's new $3,500 headset, what you should be doing is using those funds to travel outside of your country and basically set out to find your new piece of paradise. I did that over 20 years ago because I saw this. Living in Newport Beach, I saw this in writing. I told myself, even if I were still to continue to make this income, there's still no way I can afford to live in Newport and have truly the lifestyle that I want. I need to go find my Newport Beach, but in another country. Set out in Latin America, then find it there, but I found it here in Southeast Asia and Thailand. So instead of buying that $3,500 headset, you can use that $3,500 and basically, once a year, take your family on a killer trip abroad. So let's say you do your research and Costa Rica comes up. You're like, you know what? We're gonna spend two weeks or two and a half weeks of your vacation time in Costa Rica. Or you're gonna spend it, maybe better yet, here in Thailand. By doing so, over time, number one, you're gonna get your significant other more accustomed because maybe you're more open to it. Every time there's, you know, basically a couple that I'm talking to, not all, both couples are on the same page. It's always one is more excited than the other. Like the husband is, yes, 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 I wanna buy something in Thailand, I wanna buy something in Costa Rica, but the wife is like, eh, I don't know. But over time, once they immerse themselves in a culture and visit it more, they're like, okay, yeah, you're right, this is great. But there's always one that is not quite as excited as you. And then your kids aren't gonna be excited. But over time, like coming here to Thailand, realizing, oh my God, yeah, Thailand is a second world nation, but in so many aspects, it feels like a first world nation with the public transportation, with high tech, and, and, 
and the beautiful buildings and beautiful homes at basically a fraction of the price. And also the cost of living is staying steady and staying low. Over time, you're going to be able to find your piece of paradise. Even if it's not here in Thailand, it can be anywhere. But your piece of paradise has to be a place where you know that the money that you are planning to save, both you and your husband, is going to last you for the rest of your lifetime while maintaining the same lifestyle. Making $300,000 a year in a gross for family household in Honolulu, Hawaii or LA or San Francisco, 10, 20 years from now is definitely not going to be enough. You have to make a million dollars. What are the possibilities of you making a million dollars? Not quite high, is it? Sure, there are a small percentage of people that are entrepreneurs or lucky enough because they have special skills, like going into AI, working for an AI startup. Now suddenly they're getting, they got funded and now they have a valuation of $100 million or $500 million. But those are few and far between. The, most, the rest of you guys are executives. You get paid well, but maybe you're a regional president, you're a president, you're an EVP, you're a VP, you're a CFO. And making millions is not going to happen. So that is one of the strategies I feel that everyone misses. You should be traveling more. I always feel that during the first half of your life is educating yourself, making lots of mistakes, and then finally getting into the professional world and making an income, we have more responsibilities, but it's still a sacrifice. You have to put in the hours, you have to put in the time. And then the second half of your life is going to be the time to relax. It's also not just out of, should I say, uh, it's out of necessity because you're too old. You can't stay in the workplace. So by looking for a place like Thailand and realizing the low cost and getting acquainted over the years and years of coming to a place like Thailand, now you're accustomed to it. Now it feels like a home. Now instead of buying that, that second income property or upgrading a new car, you realize that, oh my God, we can buy the same equivalent of our house, which is a million dollars, we could buy it closer to the beach in Thailand in a place like Chaamahuahin or even Jomtien or even Pattaya, a single family detached home for $300,000. Same equivalent to a million to two million dollar home that's a little bit inland for a beach community in Southern California. This is a two story home, three to four bedrooms with a pool, gated community. 15 to 25 minute drive to the beach. That same home, Costa Mesa, million and a half. That same home, inland Huntington Beach, million and a half, two million. So when you realize the low cost of living and the low cost of housing prices, 
Now you're able to secure a home and maybe pay it off in one swoop. Or at least if anything, pay that home off within five years or 10 years. Now you have the security blanket. I mean, more power to you, and I hope that things really go your way. If everything, if all your ducks fall into place, the moon is aligned, everything goes well, and you're making $300,000, and all of a sudden, by the time you're retired, you're making $2 million, that's great. Okay, you can still live in Hawaii, but not everyone is going to be in that situation. Even that person that's going from a $300,000 annual salary to a $2 million salary, well, most likely they've incurred a lot more debt. So now that half million dollar home that they once have, now they have a $4 million home. The Toyota that they once drove, now they're driving an S-Class. And they have a second sports car, which is maybe like a, you know, uh, Porsche Turbo or, or an Aston Martin. And I see it all the time. That's the one thing that people in the finance industry as bankers, we see all the time. Seeing rich people that look rich on paper, but really they have no liquidity. You're going to hear that term liquidity a lot over the next year. Because liquidity is a big issue, not just for individuals, but also for major corporations. And throughout this episode, I've been telling you, don't buy that second home. Here are the reasons why. First of all, I did a podcast over a year ago about one of the worst mistakes that you can make or worst investments you can make, which is commercial real estate. Because people aren't going back to the office. There are empty buildings in places like New York. Nobody is going back to the office, and that isn't changing. And then now with something so spectacular, with Apple releasing their spatial computer, the Vision Pro, that means that I can collaborate and feel that I am right next to you through a VR headset. I don't need to be in the office. And what some studies have shown is people are more productive working in their home office as opposed to going to back to a traditional setting. So, any of you thinking about buying commercial real estate, even though it's hell freaking cheap, pennies and a dollar, don't do it because you're not going to have the tenants and they're not coming back. And then when it comes down to residential real estate, we are certainly in a bubble. It's popped. It's going backwards, but we still haven't felt the effects yet. You're going to feel the effects when the commercial real estate market has crashed and it's going to rub off on the residential real estate side. So it's a huge issue. So why buy a piece of real estate, like buying a duplex or fourplex or even buying a condo or a small house, renting it out, when number one, it's gonna lose its value. We're here in Thailand, we're always consistently chugging along. Yeah, we don't have these crazy appreciations. But, and again, as you don't have crazy appreciations, it's because we don't have this fluctuation of income. There's a reason why your home went up like 30 or 40 or 50%. It's because everyone's income also went up, but it didn't go up high enough for you to afford that home. 
I hope that makes sense because a lot of people don't realize that. A lot of people are saying is, well, real estate has been doing so well in America, places in Western country. Why wouldn't I want to invest there if I can make 25%, 30% in appreciation where Thailand maybe 8 to 10% or 12% in some places or even 15%. Well, the reason why is it's consistent here. Where in America, it's going up because of inflation. It's going up because they have to pay you more. It's going up because that McDonald's minimum wage worker now wants 20 to 25 bucks an hour. I hope that makes sense to you because a lot of people don't realize that. So now that you secure this home in Thailand and you've paid it off, now you have this peace of mind that if something happens, you have this to fall back on. But even better yet is that you realize that where you live now is where you work. Your vacation home in Thailand is a place where you're eventually going to retire because that is your slice of paradise. If I had my choice, and I think I've mentioned this in the past, if I can go back to Newport Beach or live here, I would live here. Even if tomorrow I would win a, the freaking Powerball jackpot and win like $100 million, so after taxes would be about $50 million, I would still live here. I've actually said that in a podcast before. Even if I won the lottery, let's just say I was visiting a client, meeting with a client in California, bought a lottery ticket, hit this jackpot. No, I wouldn't move back to Newport Beach. I wouldn't move back to the States. I wouldn't move to Sydney or Melbourne or Auckland, some of my favorite cities. I would still live here because my life is so much better here because I have better services. People treat me better. Everybody treats you better. They're more respectful. I can buy my dream home at a fraction of the price and still have a shitload of money left over. You know that beachfront property that you see in Southern California that on, in South Bay or somewhere in Orange County or, in San Francisco or even San Diego? You know, those cost anywhere from 10 million, 15, even 20 million dollars. You can buy those same equivalents here starting at $3 million. And in addition to that is what you're gonna realize when you're traveling and exploring the world more is that your free time is going to be filled with exploration. Hawaii is great. I spent a lot of time there, even own a lot of, people, a lot of real estate in Hawaii, in Honolulu. But the problem is you do get island fever. The Hawaiian beaches are beautiful. Yes, year-round has some of the best climate in the world. Year-round is about 80 degrees. But you do get island fever. And if you want to get out, yeah, you can go to some of the nearby islands, but it's all the same. But if you really want to go elsewhere, you really have to travel. We're here in Thailand, as I stated many times, within a one-hour to a three-hour flight, I'm surrounded by 11 other 
foreign destinations, 11 other countries. You know, we just got back from Taipei, Taiwan. That's a three-hour flight. Got back from uh, Singapore. That's a two-hour flight. Got back from Laos, Lamp Prabang. That's like an hour, hour and a half flight. There are so many places to explore. So I urge you to relook a retirement planning. Relook and don't make the mistakes of over leveraging yourself. Do whatever you can to pay off your primary residence now and do not upgrade. For those that are younger, that are in your 20s and 30s listening to this, I 100% agree with you of not buying properties and just being renters for now. Because you're never ever going to be afford a house. You're never ever going to be afford to pay it off. Instead, rent, but use your excess funds to eventually pay off a house in a place like Thailand or a condo. That makes more logical sense. So I hope that this was helpful. I hope I shed some light because, and again, I'm just scratching the surface. This is a very broad view of some of the mistakes that I see people making time and time again. And I hope that some of the suggestions I'm giving you will give you a better idea on how to restructure your retirement planning. Retirement planning is not just maxing out for 1K, self-directed IRA, buying some equities, maybe buying a second property. It's more than that. You have to look further down and you have to be realistic. You have to be realistic with your health. Okay, so maybe you're a little overweight now. Well, in 15, 20 years, are you going to be obese? If you are, then the hospital bill is going to rack up. You may need in-house care. Are you going to be able to afford it where you live? Most likely not. Here, you can. You live in a 10,000 square foot home. You have a live-in maid. And you think that this money is going to keep pouring in. But when it doesn't, if something should happen, where well, you don't have this income anymore, now you still have this big giant mortgage of this 10,000 square foot home, and then you have not just your in-house staff that you have to pay, the groundskeepers that come and maintain your property, you can't afford that. But here, you can. Live in May started like 300 bucks a month. You have all the comforts of ultra-luxury living here in Thailand at a tenth of the cost. So please take this to heart, restructure your plan. And one last thing I want to leave you with when it comes down to buying a second home or even third home for income property and think that you're just going to convert it to an Airbnb. When again, one of the main things I do when I'm reading throughout the day I'm looking for trends. Just like a decade ago when I started doing podcasts, my very first podcast episode in Vietnam, in Muy Ne, Vietnam, 
I said in my podcast, you can go to SoundCloud because those podcasts are still there on SoundCloud. I didn't transfer them over to Spotify. But they're still sitting there in SoundCloud on my channel there. And I said in Vietnam over 10 years ago that China is going to be the rising power. Fast forward to today, it is. There are people that are richer than you, that are smarter than you, that have more resources than you. People like Ray Dalio, the founder of Bridgewater Capital, the largest hedge fund in the world, with his mass, he's a billionaire, with his massive amount of resources, writing best-selling books, and one of them most recently, which is the Changing World Order, where he shows the history of how world order has changed from the Dutch to the Spanish to the British Empire and then, you know, and then to the U.S. Empire. But it's changing now of rise of Asia. This is where the economic powerhouse is. It's brewing here. It's changing. So if you have children and you want them to have better opportunities and better paying jobs, it makes more sense for you to be here, to have your children learn a second language because they pay better here. Pedigrees, if, you have a, if you're graduating college with an MBA or even uh, a JD, you know, you want to be an attorney or be a doctor or uh, you have your CFA or CFP, you want to be a portfolio manager, a financial analyst, you're going to get paid double to three times more here in Asia than you will in places like the United States. That is no bullshit. And then the next thing is, so when I'm looking for trends, long time ago I said, over a decade ago, the rise of Asia, and then not too long ago I said, don't buy commercial real estate. And now I'm saying is, don't buy residential real estate, especially don't buy them to convert them to Airbnb. Because when you look at the trends, first of all, I am not a fan of Airbnb. Why? Because number one, I don't want, I want to have the peace of mind that when my wife and I are checking into a room, that there's not a camera hiding the toilet. There's not a camera hiding in the bedroom. How many times have you read Airbnbs when hosts have been caught with cameras in the house? These perverted people. And then the second thing is, I couldn't give two shits, nor do I like being rated of how I was as a tenant. Not that I've ever had bad experiences. I've only done Airbnb a few times, but out of necessity. Actually, it was only two times. That is it. But I don't want to be raided. If I want to go to a destination, I want to go to a hotel that's reputable, that I know it's going to be clean, that has best services. Someone's going to change uh, all of my linens and everything, my towels every single day. Most Airbnbs don't even do that. So if you look to see what's happening in the trends of Airbnb, number one, during the pandemic, Airbnb crashed 80%, lost 80% of revenue because people weren't traveling. 
and that hasn't really come back. Number two, more and more countries, more and more states, more and more cities, not just in America, but also throughout the world, places like Thailand, have outlawed Airbnb. If you didn't realize this, if you thought, okay, hey, you know what, I'm gonna buy one of those luxury condos, either on the strip in Las Vegas or just off the strip, well, you can't convert those to Airbnb, it's illegal. There are only certain zip codes and certain places in Las Vegas and the surrounding areas of Green Valley, Henderson, and also Lake Las Vegas and Summerlin, where you can actually have an Airbnb and you have to get a license or a permit to do so. Here in Thailand, there are certain places where Airbnb is still legal, very few far between, but you have to have a hotel license. Who the fuck can get that? So Airbnb and things like it, short-term rentals, they're being outlawed. Why? Because the hotel giants are powerful. So look at these super hosts. If you didn't read these articles, I talked about one, about a super host that had like 20, 30, 50, 100 properties. And during the pandemic, they got wiped out because they had mortgages on all of them. How do you know there's not going to be another pandemic that's gonna shut everything down? You just don't know. So better yet, instead of buying that second property, unless you can pay cash for it, folks, or put at least 50% down, then I'll say, okay, go buy the piece of real estate. Because worst case scenario, you can still, if you don't have a tenant, you can at least still pay the mortgage. But for most of you, you can't. People are buying income properties at 100% financing, 3% down, 5% down, not even 10% down, hoping that the revenue generated from short-term rentals like Airbnb is going to double. So basically, they'll be able to pay off their mortgage and then also make an income. Folks, those success stories are few and far between. The world is changing, and it's not changing towards Airbnb. Hotels are getting better, they're getting smarter. If you don't see that, travel more. Hotels are not stupid. The people that run them are not stupid. They know they have to compete with the Airbnbs in the world, so how are they doing that? They're doing that with pricing and servicing and amenities. I would rather spend money at a hotel than any Airbnb. I have a better experience. And then the next trend. How many of you, about five years ago, when you're driving a road, saw one of those autonomous cars? You hardly ever see them. Today, you'll see at least one or two in the streets every single day. Because that is the future, autonomous cars. People like Uber, organizations like Uber are realizing this. Uber drivers, if you read the articles, they make less than minimum wage per hour. So they're not making money. It's a total shit job. But what Uber is going to start doing is buying autonomous cars and replacing people with autonomous cars. So they're smart in doing so. Airbnb, I think the only future for a company like Airbnb is to basically convert themselves to a resale service. So in America, we have this wonderful tool for licensed brokers and realtors 
called the MLS, the Multiple Listing Service, that with a license and with the fee, annual fees that you pay, you can access all the listings within your zip code or in that city and so forth. But the problem is, is that the United States is only one of the few countries that have that. Places like in Southeast Asia or Asia, places like Latin America, we don't have, we don't have the creature comforts of an MLS. But when you look at Airbnb, they have the largest listings of real estate of all shapes and sizes, all price points all over the world. If they were smart enough to basically become a resale service, they would just fucking kill it. Because people can list their homes on Airbnb for sale and using AI programming, they don't need to have an in-between middleman. Escrow can be open, title can be open, utilizing AI, transactions can all be done online. Look at Open Door. You can basically go on an app, punch in your address, answer a few questions, and they will buy your property for you. So trends are changing, things are changing. I don't feel that real estate right now in America is the best bet or in Western countries. I feel it's a terrible investment because you are buying at the peak or instead you should be holding on to some sort of liquidity, be liquid, have cash, and even better yet, start securing your piece of the real estate and your piece of paradise in places like Thailand. So thank you so much for joining me and I hope to see you soon.